Welcome, everybody, to It's Fine, an official podcast of Broken Arrow Public Schools on the AeroVision Network. I'm your host, Adam J. Foreman, Assistant Director of Fine Arts for the District, and today it's all fine arts, all the time. Uh, this episode would not be possible without our wonderful, generous One Club sponsors, First National Bank of Broken Arrow, TTCU Federal Credit Union, Ascension St. John, Tulsa Bone and Joint, and the Arrow Group. Today's episode is all about fine arts in elementary schools, featuring two amazing guests across from me. So let me uh, introduce you to everybody. Welcome, Kit Parker. Hey, Kit, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Okay, you are the elementary music team lead coordinator. Yes. And the music teacher at Rosewood Elementary. Yes. Yes, and it's your first year at Rosewood. It's my first year at Rosewood. Because you were a Rhodes gal for a long, long time. I was, and I loved it there. It was yes, great. yes. So tell us a little bit about your, no, hold on, just a second. Okay. And we have another guest sitting here. It's Katie Cook, who's an art teacher at Leisure Park Elementary and the district elementary lead art teacher. Yeah. Welcome, Katie. Thank you. Glad to have you. Happy to be here. And a BA lifer. BA lifer. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> So uh, I like to talk to our guests and kind of get their background. So you can go back as far as you want. You go all the way back to elementary school. Okay. But tell us about your educational journey to where you are today, where you went to school, degrees, all that fun stuff. Okay, so I'm one of the weird ones here. When it, I am Aren't not, we all? I know. I, know. <laughs> um, I am not a BA lifer. I graduated with 50 people in my graduating class from Newkirk, Oklahoma. And where is that? It's on the northern part of Oklahoma. We are about 10 miles south of um, Arc City, um, Kansas, or Kansas City, Kansas, and about 15 miles north of Ponca City, Oklahoma. Okay, so I can relate to that. Yes, in that Cape County area. But that's what started my music journey. Um, I was in a band. I was in choir. I played in jazz band. And the beautiful thing about Newkirk is when you do one thing, you do them all because we have uh -huh. the same amount of things that everyone has. We just have fewer people to do them. Right. So I would go cheer at the football games and then go march in the marching field, you know, in my cheerleading uniform for halftime. At the same time, the football players would come off and take their pads off and put their drums on and they would go play too. <laughs> That's so awesome. It was like, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's I love those small, small school time. feelings. Awesome? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I went to college and wanted to be a band director and my parents said, um, no. And so <laughs> decided to go be a microbiologist instead. Oh, same thing. Yeah. And found out I did not like the chemistry. I couldn't do chemistry very well. So for everyone who can do chemistry, I... I applaud you because yeah. I cannot. Um, so when I was there, I changed my major to English instead, and I got out with an English degree. So my bachelor's actually says English literature. Interesting. Uh, and so and I am actually certified to teach middle school language arts. But trust me, no one wants me to do yeah. that. Um, and so when I got out, I actually worked in television for a while. I worked at Educational Television Services, which is on the campus of Oklahoma State University. And one of the things we did was we worked with the Coaches Show. And um, during that time, they got a big truck. So I got to learn how to run the camera in all positions for football games and how to actually produce and direct a show. For I am learning so football. much about you right now in this <laughs> moment. I don't know how many years So I got to direct for closed circuit TV. And um, through that, uh, I was able to work for ESPN and Fox Sports My and goodness. ABC Sports on all the basketball games. I think Aerovision needs to recruit you. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love my television time. I did. Um, but in a, in the middle of all this, the uh, state went through some budget cuts. And when you have like 30 to 50 people in your building that you're with all the time and you lose three of them because of budget cuts, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And so at that point I went, hmm, I think maybe I should be doing something else. <laughs> so I told my parents if I ever went back to school, I would go back. I would get certified in music and I would teach music. And so that's kind of how it all went. So while I was working at Oklahoma State, 
I would take um, classes during lunch hours and on the side, and then also work overtime on the weekends um, during football games and basketball season and that kind of thing. And I graduate. I didn't graduate, but I got certified to teach um, elementary music and vocal and general music. So my certificate says pre-K through 12, which is what all certificates That's do. the gamut right there. Yeah. I'm 20 hours from actually having an actual bachelor's degree in music. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. Okay. And then I've also been certified in all three levels of Kodai, of the Kodai methodology and all three levels of the orf schulwerk process. So I have all three levels of that too. My goodness. And this is my 24th, 25th year teaching um, music and my 17th year in the district and my first year at Rosewood teaching elementary music. You're like a Swiss army knife. Like I'm just, <laughs> that's your new name <laughs> from so now yeah. on. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah. Very Thank good. You. Very cool. And then so with being the elementary music lead, how long have you been doing that with the district? So that's been about, I'm going to say maybe 10 to 12 years, somewhere around in there. I've been part of the lead. At first it became a co-lead. Um, and within the last few years, the ones that we had as co-leads, um, they have left or have retired or have, you know, just gone on to other things in their lives. And right. so this year it was just me and that's how it worked. It's there worked you go. Goodness. All right, Katie, you got to follow that up. Wow. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I came in this room and that's my history. Here I am. Here I am. <laughs> well, Opening act. Yeah. Um, well, I moved to Broken Arrow in, when I was in eighth grade and um, started right up with the, the band. I was in, I was a flute player and I was in color guard and was Tom Stout your director? Tom Stout was my good old good old Tom. Doctor Davis was one of my band directors, and you know, so I yeah, I I, I know a lot of people. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, graduated from Broken Arrow in '96 and took a slight detour. Didn't didn't go right into college. I went out and was a zookeeper. What? what? <laughs> nice. I I got to leave now. I don't know anything about you two. This is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I worked at the Tulsa Zoo for a long time, three or four years, and then I moved out to Seattle, Washington, and was a zookeeper out there. Came back and got a job at Holland Hall, and that kind of made me realize I wanted to go back into education. And so went to school at Langston University here in Tulsa, got my bachelor's, and then got hired on back at, oh gosh, this is 17 years ago, I think. I think this is your 17 for me. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I was at Arrow Springs. Um, when it was an elementary school. Yes. Yes. It was a pre-K through fifth grade. Uh huh. Yeah. So that was a while ago. And then when it closed down, I moved over to Spring Creek and taught fourth and fifth grades, both. Arrow general Springs, education. General education. At both Arrow Springs and Spring Creek. And then the job opened up at Leisure Park, where I am now, and for the art position and got my certification and just jumped right in there. So, and in the middle of all that, I've gotten my master's in curriculum and instruction. So, so I need to apologize to the readers, the listeners, the everybody that I know nothing about the two people that I work with closely all the time. Good grief. I'm telling Yeah. I mean, goodness. I thought someone's gonna tell me like you, you were a ninja for a while and yeah. But you know, sometimes when you're a teacher, you kind of have to be, you have to be sneaky. Yeah. And it means zookeeper background. 
I mean, you know how to handle wild animals. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. So being in the elementary music and art, you guys have the unique position of seeing every single student in your building. A fourth grade teacher, you know, they get a group, et cetera. You guys see them all. How does that impact you with your relationship with all those kids? We not only see them all, but we see them from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade. So building those foundational relationships in kindergarten is life-changing. I mean, I, I have students that I had as kindergartners that have now graduated and it's just, it's so neat to have them come back and see me in the classroom. And it's just, yeah, that's cool. Just it, seeing every kid every day. And it's just amazing. So, I mean, there's no other word to describe it really. It's just kind of amazing. I mean, would it be fair to say that some kids, your classroom is their favorite classroom? Absolutely. Oh, I would hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, so. yeah, I would, I would absolutely hope so. Um, and I know sometimes it's not too, and that's okay. Right. Sometimes right. They're just there and they're, they do well because they like me and yeah. that's, and that's okay too. <laughs> yeah. I don't really like music, Miss Parker, but I like you. And that's, yeah. that's sometimes that works. I can't so, draw Miss Cook, but I like you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when we talked about too, before with other guests that like, it's a safe space for some of these kids. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And just like, they just feel they can just be themselves and, and be creative. And of course we nurture that. So Kate, you see every kid too, and you come from a pretty large school. At yes. Roswood. Yes. yes. <laughs> how many, how many kids are in your school at this current moment? I think we have about 620 right now. So and you're, are you the five hundreds? I'm, I'm in the five, five. I mean, that's still a pretty big, pretty big school, yeah, especially since she graduated with just 50 human beings. Yeah. Then her graduating that's true. <laughs> so seeing every kid like that, like how does that help you as a teacher watching them go from K through five, if they stay with you the whole time? Well, I think, I think in one sense, like Kitty was right, you get, you get this wonderful relationship with them. And it is so important to start that at kindergarten because when they get to fifth grade and they're going through so many changes and so many life things that are going on, it's really easy to look at them and go, Hey, but I knew you in kindergarten, so we're good. And I trust <laughs> The you. world's not ending, yeah, I promise. I trust you, yeah. big things. Um, so I think that does also help make the safe space. And then I think the other thing that makes the safe space is where we are different from classroom teachers is we get to play. Um, everything in the classroom, especially in that kindergarten, first grade, second grade year, but in all of them to a sense. And it's not just about playing instruments. It's about playing with the imagination. It's about playing with all of the things. It's about playing with the music that they like and the music that they don't like. And it's about all of that too. And so that I think adds to um, their development and we make their brains work differently. I mean, that's Part of it also. Well, I think you unlock part of their brains. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And meld part of their brains. I yeah. tell my kids, I tell my students when they come see me, you know, I help them cross the streams and the <laughs> I mean, you know, the two brains. Because I think that's because they start using both sides. Right. They use that analytical side and they use that creative side and then it starts kind of melding together. Which then helps the classroom teachers too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do they realize that? I mean, they, they, they need know. to know I that. Hope yes. They do. I hope they do. I hope they realize how much. They can do. I mean, whenever I was a classroom teacher, I did a lot of art and music in my classroom just because it it connects the kids right. to, to the information that they're learning. So. Right. So let's flash back. Let's go back in time. Oh Two whole years. Okay. To a certain thing we had called the pandemic. <laughs> People ask me all the time, how in the world did you teach fine arts in a pandemic? That is so hands-on. That is so vocal. That is so together. How did you pivot? How'd you do it? Either one, you can take this one well, or both. <laughs> at the beginning, when when we Broken Arrow went, didn't go back after uh, spring, spring break. break. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we were doing that, it was, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm building the plane as I'm flying it, so to speak. And 
So I started doing Facebook Live videos and I started doing, I found a video editing software. I would make my own videos and post them on Facebook and get them out to the kids any way that I could. I'd send them to my classroom teacher, say, hey, give these out to, send this link to your to your families. Let them have some creativity. Um, any Really any way that I could possibly reach out to those kids online. I mean, we didn't really know what we were doing with Canvas at that point. Well, there were no resources were either because, no you know, nobody planned nobody for a it. pandemic to happen. Right, you know? right. done this. Right. So it, was, it was, there were things I took away from the pandemic and, and really the year after that I have kept doing um, just basic strategies and things like that in my classroom that I've, I've kept up with um, that I didn't know I needed to do until the pandemic. So there were some good things that came out of it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. What about you, so, kid? So I think for me going back at the spring break, I, I learned a lot about myself and where I had had the experience um, a couple of years before that going to Walt Disney World with a friend of mine who worked in an online school situation. And I watched her as she um, hooked up with her students like through um, texts and that kind of thing. And she would put their grades in at 3.30 in the morning as we were headed to the start line of the race and things oh like goodness. that. It was so much fun. But I'm watching her do all this and I thought, yeah, I could do that. And then pandemic hit. And I realized that I am not an very a very good internet kind of teacher like that is just not i need right right i need the students but i also need the energy that comes from them and they need mine and so you don't get that you get some of it but you don't get that on a video over you know especially with music and then on top of that you've got that second delay so singing just does not work (laughs) i saw Um, people do that how awful yeah oh no it's awful yeah yeah yeah, you cannot do it (laughs) but then during 2020 when we came back there were things that um, we lost, I think, musically. So uh, group work is a huge part of music, ensembles, that kind of thing. And they start that. They start learning that in elementary. We start putting them together in groups and asking them to design things and create things and that kind of thing. And we couldn't do that. Um, for the first time ever, I had kids sitting in rows because I thought if we sing at all, even if they have their masks on, at least it will go into the back of their head. Right, I right. No one ever takes from the back of their head and then wipes their eye. Like, that's not going to happen. Kids might. So, you never know. It is true. <laughs> but I was hoping. Um, so, Stop touching each other. Yeah, exactly. So, and so Rose set up a whole new kind of um, world in my, in my classroom. It, it was good on some respects because there was less of the, you know, and we're three feet apart. So there was less than all of that. Right. Um, at the same time, there were so many things I couldn't do because we just didn't have the room because we needed the room for the seating. Right. Um, so that was, so no groups was really hard. Very little singing was very hard. Um, I know some schools even shut down their singing completely. Um, so that was also very hard. Um, it, you can't do singing games that way. You can't do. So there were a lot of things that we had to really, that I had to really, um, turn and pivot and recreate, um, to be able to do in classroom. A lot of favorite things that I normally do that I could not do in that way. I will say this, the magic water from Broken Arrow. That is not what we call it, but that's what I say. The, <laughs> the magic, Tersano water. The Tersano water. Yes, that <laughs> that was water. that was awesome. That was lovely because I could just spray, 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 spray everywhere. And so that's been wonderful. That was a wonderful gift, yes. I think, in that way from the pandemic. So there are good things that came out of it. Would you say it made you both better teachers? After the fact or more different, just different teachers, different, different, different. different. Yeah. teacher. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think for me, it, 
I like to laugh and joke and be silly and goofy and kind of like what Kit was saying whenever I was doing that online. I wasn't getting any of that energy back, so I missed that. And so now I'm probably even more silly and goofy, if that's even possible. I mean, were you like, "Am I funny? Am I funny? Am I really am I funny?" funny? Am I cool. Am I cool? <laughs> uh, fifth you, you're fifth sure you are cool. I mean, you are a zookeeper for crying out loud. That's true. That's true. Well, and for me, I think I learned a lot of. There are a lot more things you can do with your body with sound and rhythm and that kind of thing than I think I ever thought possible. Because getting out instruments was always a pain to like clean them. So right. It. Right. Um. And that year, because we could not do anything on stage, my fifth graders looked different when they were. So um. So I had the librarian come in and actually video um a whole um. I would. I don't want to say program, but maybe just a little vignette of sort of. Um, out of a book. So we got to tell a story um, with music by the end of that year. So they, in essence, got to do their fifth grade musical, just not, just not in the right, regular way they did. Yes, yeah. it was very different. It was good for that class. That class did it really. So I think that part was good too. But yeah, there were just lots of things I learned, I think, about myself and about students and what even more of what I feel like they need um, in my classroom setting and what, and what they can, what we can kind of leave away. And that works too. And I think we're still seeing some of the effects of it. I mean, I think we will for years. Absolutely. You know, having two years of non-traditional art and music classes have really kind of put our kids behind a little bit. And so we're trying to play catch up like the classroom teachers are too, but it's with us at least having them every year, we have a little bit more flexibility with playing catch up, which right, is kind of right. nice. Because so. when they go to, like, to the middle school, they may not be with somebody for, right. they may not right. take any art until they get to the high school right. and then right. that whole three years. But that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole, <laughs> a whole other <laughs> yes. podcast. So, Katie, you have had the unique pleasure of being a part of the state art standards that have recently. Why don't you tell a little bit about of how, how that's come about? So, gosh, I don't know, three years ago, they started rewriting the state art standards to be more. Um, to be better representative of what we're actually teaching. And they also added pre-K standards to the fine arts standards. And the the first round, I think Kid actually helped with yeah. the music ones, but the first round we're actually writing the standards. And then what I helped with was taking those standards and breaking them down into what does this really mean for a teacher? What is What resources can I have? And we, we spent hours upon hours upon hours of finding resources and anybody from Newkirk, Oklahoma could go in <laughs> all the way to Broken Arrow. It's a, a classroom that doesn't have art, music, um, can go in and take a look at those standards and, and really have a pretty well-rounded program. Because um, that's, when you say state, that's Everybody, Everybody in this state can have access to all that right. stuff. Absolutely. On the music level, so I was part of the phase one where we actually wrote the standards. And on the music level, um, for the elementary music, I worked with five teachers from around the district, or I mean from around the state, from the state. of Oklahoma, all different areas. Um, and we added uh, pre-K, but also kindergarten standards, which were not available before this. And we also added sixth grade general music standards for those who had sixth graders still in their general music classes. Right, and there right. are a few around here that do. Um, so we had those as well. And then there was a whole secondary group that did that. So I was part of the, that first phase where Katie was part of the second. Secondary. Or, yeah. And how important are these standards to our, our classroom teachers across the state? Oh, we, we live them. I mean, that's, that's our guide for, for what we're teaching our kids from kindergarten all the way through secondary all the way through 12th grade. This is what we 
this is what we teach. And if people have access to those, I've gone on and looked at them. Yeah. Unbelievable resources right. on there. Right. Just yeah. how to's and, yeah. and here's how it applies to this. And, and that's, yeah, and just parents unbelievable. Can go and look and see what their kids are learning that year too, which is kind of neat. Well, and I will say too, that they are, they are flexible enough. Like I've seen the standards that classroom teachers have, and I feel like those are pretty rigid in some ways. Ours are flexible enough to where, in my opinion, a good music lesson will hit 80 to 85% of your standards, 85 to 90% of the time. So that's a good math right there. That's, yeah. So as I'm doing, like my principal asks for standards on my thing, and as I'm doing them and highlighting them, I find that I'm highlighting a lot of the same ones, but it's over and over because as we do it, you know, one song can teach so many different things. One art project can teach so many different things. And, and so they build I build on each other too. Yes. And they do. And they build on each other. So we're going to switch gears here okay. for Kit. You, uh, your elementary schools, one of their big things is they, you know, they, they love to perform in front of their parents. So like they love to do these, love to get on stage. I've seen kids when they come to rehearsals for your, your musicals, walk onto that stage for the first time, the lights are shining on. They're like, like yeah, they're so overwhelmed. Completely. Yeah. They just like, just like, just hits them. And then they realize, okay, this is something I'm actually doing. We're not just singing in my classroom. We, we've been learning all this music for all this time. Tell me about all of those programs that happen right now, this time of year. Like there's just so many going on. So it's, we do ours, um, as a, as a group, ours usually happens somewhere between November and about March, maybe first of April. Cause we have some times that we have to get in and that all depends on what the scheduling is like for the PAC or the Kirkland or whatever. So we work with the people who schedule those venues um, very, very closely to find the best times for our kids. So uh, I know that a friend of mine in Owasso just did a Halloween program. She said it was crazy to put together because it's so close. It's pretty fast. It's fast, (laughs) but she really loved doing it. Um, One of our other, uh, I think uh, Rachel over at Spring Creek um, just did hers in November. There are Veterans Day programs that go on at this time. Um, all of that. Our big musical type programs usually start happening between now and March. So I know uh, many of us are doing ours in the spring. So I have to brag on Rachel because I went to that. Uh, She's amazing. It was a, a STEM musical. Uh-huh. So okay. not only was it a musical, but she brought in science and math mm-hmm. into the awesome. musical. And it was also a drama because she had the yes. kids had lines. Yeah. There were there were uh, robots. There were uh, what, what what are those flying things? You know, drones. Uh, drones. drones. There yeah. were dro- what are those flying things? Good grief! Um, it was amazing because also like then all the lights went out and then they were all doing black lights. I mean, it was oh, that's she cool. is amazing. It was so, and I thought yes. to myself, that's the kind of musical I want to put on if I did. Of course, teacher, nobody I wants me. To, yeah, right? exactly, exactly, exactly. So I don't think people realize how in depth sometimes those get for those kids. Yeah, well, and how I think now too. Th- one of the big push, one of the things that came out of COVID, because we could not perform on the stage, you know, during that year, a lot of us did things that really fit our school where we were working at the time. And that Emily Fusel over at CLI is doing that now. She is really making a program that will fit her school. So she, where she will not go on the stage per se, she will have a fine arts night, almost like we have a literacy yeah, night, she talked math to me about night. That. Yeah. And it's going to be so cool. She is really working. Each class will have their own kind of 15 minutes of fame thing where they get to choose what they're doing. And she's going to work with that all in their classroom over the next few weeks. And so, yeah. And everything that we do that goes on the stage or that goes in the fine arts night or that goes, that's all done in our classrooms first. And we put then, then when you see the stage, it's the final product. So a lot of hard work goes on to every day. Well, and then you have an end of the year kind of big, big musical 
And it's the, is it all fifth grade? It's all fifth grade choir. Yeah. And what, what is it? Tell me about that. It's the Broken Arrow Elementary Choral Festival. Um, the teachers get together every year. Those that, those of us that have fifth grade and, um, we decide on a theme and we choose the music and, uh, Rachel Lester and I cannot remember our other person that's in charge of it, but Rachel Lester is one of the ones in charge this year. Where's she at? And she's at, um, Arrowhead. Is that correct? Yes. She's at Arrowhead. I'm starting to remember these things. Yeah, yeah, remember. <laughs> well, and I had to think for a minute because I had Arrow Springs in my head. Yeah. It's like, that's not it. At times when um, I don't even know where I am. But she's, yeah. she's the head director for this in charge of all of that. So we went through her. And so she's getting ready to get the choreography team together. And so we can create choreography for the songs that we have, videotape it all, send and out to the every teachers. kid learns the exact same songs, all, right? Yes. All the fifth grade honor choirs. So all of us have an honor choir that cool. we use that some of them are auditions, some of them are signups. It doesn't matter. But we all, and then we will get together and we will all go to the assembly, um, in Broken Arrow and we will perform in front of about 3000 parents. And is that about a thousand kids? 500 kids? We have kids? about four to 500 on the stage, depending on how big our choirs are. That's a lot of kids on That's the a stage. a lot of kids on the stage. <laughs> Which is probably why we have to do it at assembly. We don't yes. We don't have the room. Anywhere here to put it yeah. in. Yeah. So you at Katie also have a big end of year celebration. Talk about the district art show have the art show at NSUBA. This year it's going to be in April, the first two weeks of April. Uh, usually it runs a couple of weeks and everybody from pre-K all the way through 12th grade has artwork on display. And it's just, it's amazing to see the growth from the kids when they're walking around right. and they're going around and they're looking at Oh, this is middle school. This is what I can do next year. Oh, this is high school. Look at that. You know, it's, that's it's called just, recruitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a big it's a big deal. Um, to kind of stay tuned for information about that and well, come I've out and see us. I've taken my kids in the past, and they're like they're so excited just to rush over there and show me this is mine. This, this is, is mine. mine. I got picked. This right. is in my thing, and just. It's so fun to see them on the display like that. that, show that yeah. So another thing that we do in this district that a lot of people don't know is adaptive fine arts. And both of you have had experience with that adaptive art, adaptive music. Let's talk about that. First of all, for the listeners that don't know, what is adaptive art? Adaptive art is for special needs students. Um, for me, I, I see my students once a week, my adaptive students once a week. And we are working on skills. It, it looks different than what a regular general education classroom looks like. We're working on skills that fine motor skills that really help them. But it's amazing to see the artwork that they can come up with too. And well, you have two kind of flags in your, uh, what, what, I don't know what's that saying, you know, uh, feathers in your cap, yeah, feathers in your cap, cap. Flags, flags, feathers, your all the above. Um, you, you have partnered with a local coffee shop. Yes, Talk about that. Cause that's just so cool. So tell, cool. tell us about that. Um, not your average Joe's in Broken Arrow. At, it's over at uh, Emerson Orthodontics over North. Uh, by St. John. St. John. Ascension St. John. Uh -huh. Ascension St. John. And um, uh, they're a coffee shop that hires individuals with disabilities. And so my level two and level three students make artwork every season to go on display in not your average show. That's so fantastic. So anytime you go in there and you see the artwork, they, they're finishing up their winter Christmassy projects right now. We were working on Christmas trees last week. So, um, and then it's just, it's neat to see there. It's, and so they go there too, go there right? Too. You take yeah, them to the shop. We take them, we take them up there and they get a hot coffee. So they have to work on ordering their hot coffee or hot coffee, hot chocolate. Goodness. I was like, coffee sounds great. Yeah. Give, give me a double espresso know. with Sending my kids back to class with coffee. Hey, can you imagine? Oh, I have a few teachers upset with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they get to have a hot chocolate and sit there in the coffee shop and, and Oh, that's so fun. fun. So 
so much fun. Secondly, you recently just had uh, the Special Olympics, the Fall yes. Winter Special Olympics, and you had art kids there who brought home some awards. Awards. We we kind of swept Special Olympics for sure. We're like that. We're cool like that. Like that. Um, yeah. So in the fall and in the spring, we meet uh, once a week and we have students that are eight years old and above come and we have practices and I'm their coach, which is a word. You're never, a coach. I, I got to get I you never, a jacket with like that I monogram. Know, on it. I never would have expected <laughs> me to be a coach, but here I am coaching, coaching art. So go team. Um, <laughs> but just this last week, we uh, took our students uh, to Katusa and we had the art and music competition and a lot of our kids came home with first place went ribbons. You sent me those artwork and they were amazing. Amazing. Like we, yeah. could, we could hang those somewhere. Absolutely. They're fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. You let me know where and I'll get a frame for I'll them. Make it happen right now. Okay. And Kit, you have worked with uh, special needs students in music. Yes, but I will say I do not have the kind of experience that Katie has because I've not had them that long. You don't have the coach Wait, jacket I, don't, I do not have, nor I don't think deserve the coach jacket <laughs> for, for special <laughs> needs. Can out there. No. So um, at Rhodes, when I was at Rhodes, uh, we uh, obtained, I guess that's the best way to say it, um, a level three um, class who with autism students. And so that was actually the first time that I had actually seen um, a level three autism class come in. We always have, I think you always, you have special ed, special needs students wherever you go. Um, and so you're constantly adapting or refining or differentiating for right. that, where, yeah. of what you're teaching and how you're teaching it for them. Um, but this was my first time with like a whole group of them. And so it really was, it was so much fun. Um, and after I kind of learned a little bit more about them and talked to their teachers and, you know, kind of read some more things and went to some workshops, it became a little bit easier um, to do, but it took me a little while to kind of get into it, but they were great. I absolutely loved them. Well, what, favorite a, day of the week. what a universal language art is for oh, right? special needs kids. Yeah. Yeah. They all understand it. And even if there's a barrier that breaks right. through that barrier for them. Absolutely. And I had kids who were nonverbal. So imagine nonverbal in a singing in a music class, class. Right, in a music yeah. class. And yet I had kids who could do, we did lots of music where I would just kind of make up movement that would go with it. Like just sit in the chair and make up motions or whatever. And I had lots of kids who would do the motions with me, even though they were not, you know, singing. Right, and right. I had one kid who would try to sing. He could get the ooh sound in the word moon. And we did a song called under the owl moon and it was lovely. And he would really like, that one just came out. Like that was every his time solo. It, that was. He loved it. And so that was, you know, I really loved doing that with those kids too. It was really fun. Well, and that goes from elementary all the way up through the high school. I know that the adaptive music class at the high school, there's a, a, a student in there who I think might be visually impaired that holds a tennis ball to keep the beat of the song. See, that's so cool. Yeah. It's just, it's just amazing yeah. when you think about little stuff that you don't think about, but then it's such, it's the world to them. And I just well, and things for me in art, it's things that we use in everyday life that we now take and use as art tools, right. you know, for, for example, we, I got, um, uh, matchbox cars and they were painting with the matchbox cars. Oh, cool. It just turned yeah. out to be a really cool project, but you know, things that we don't ever, we kind of take for granted and we just turn those into art. Well, and you're constantly learning about them too. True. You're constantly learning about the kid because each kid's a little bit, you know, unique. And right. so you're constantly learning about what is going to hit that kid and what's going to, so it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. That's like a, like a heart filling. Oh, yeah. Thing. It's yeah. a good, yeah. It's a good feeling. Okay. So I have a magic wand and a million dollars. Yay. Okay. Hypothetically. Uh -huh. Do we each get a million? You each get a million dollars. Okay. You each get a magic wand. Blue sky dreaming. Okay. What would fine arts look like 
in the future to you in your respective areas. Go and it's like, who goes first? Who goes first? Go art first. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I would love for every student to have equity in their programs. Um, I would love for each art teacher to have an infinite budget. That would be amazing. Right now we work with about $1.50 per student, which we get pretty creative on stretching. So any increase to that budget, um, wow, I don't even know what all I would want. <laughs> I've art. When I've asked this question to people in the past, I hear like, I would love a whole academy that's just it's art. Just art. I mean, an I art academy, say, you know? I, yeah. Um, I would love all sorts of tools and resources that I can't afford to buy on my regular budget, um, you know, that I don't have to write grants for, that I would just have in my classroom as part of it. Um, I don't know. I don't, I really... I flabbergasted right, you. you. Have. You've left me Write this moment down. No, that's happen <laughs> often that I'm speechless. So, what about you, Kit? Um, we need. I agree with the equity part, and and for us, it will be instruments. Like for us, it's going to be instruments and resources in the classroom. We need more boom whackers. We need more scarves. We need more mallets. We need more um, orphan instruments. We need more drums. We need more. I mean, all of those things. We would need. So I would love to, for every teacher to have enough supplies of their um, unpitched and pitched instruments in their classroom for classes of 30. Like I would love for that would be like the definition. Um, Explain and, to our listeners what that means by pitched and unpitched. Oh, okay. So an <laughs> orb instrument is usually considered a xylophone. So let's look at them as xylophones, although you have all different sizes. Right, right. Um, if you have a class of 30 and you only have five, your kids can play that, but in rows of six. So, so they're waiting got, their turn. Uh-huh. So you got eight-year-olds waiting their turn. And you're pushing because you're too close to me in this line. Yes. And so yes. you're, you're being a teacher and a disciplinary <laughs> at the same time. Yes. And it's very hard <laughs> to get anything done. So having enough for 30 does not necessarily mean 30 instruments, but it, mean, it means enough to where maybe two can share, like per instrument. Like that's what I would like to see. And so that, that would be the um, pitched side. And then the unpitched, um, I it sounds weird to have – 10 wood blocks or 10 tambourines or 10 triangles or whatever. But if you are teaching kids how to play that instrument, you've got kindergartners. They playing a triangle is very fine motor. They have to hold the string and then they have to tap and putting that in groups of three is a whole lot easier than trying to put it in groups of five. So I think having enough for 30, you know, 30 hand drums, um, 30 recorders per class that's going to teach recorder, 30 ukuleles, you know, and as I said, you know, maybe 15 to 20 pitched, you know, xylophone instruments in their classroom that they could use and like share off of and that kind of thing. That's what I would like to see as far as the room goes. As far as the overall arching district goes, I would love to see a general music class be expanded from the elementary up to the middle school, up to the high school so that kids who cannot afford instruments or cannot afford the uniforms to be in choir, or maybe they don't sing, or maybe this isn't their thing. Then they would have also a place to go. That would be fine arts. It could be again, orf instruments, drums, you know, recorders that they do not have to buy. And you can do all of those things just on a, on a higher level kind of thing. They could compose their own music. We could get them into writing in um, software like Finale or Sibelius and that kind of thing. That's what I would love to see is have that expanded all the way up to a high school level. See, and, and me with my magic wand, uh-huh. I would love a more in-depth graphic design department <laughs> because graphic design is art and art uh-huh. is graphic design and they're mutually ex- you know, exclusive. When I went to school, 
that you took art classes and you took graphic design classes in your art major, no yeah. matter what you took both because both were the foundation of each other. And then for music, I, I agree with you about that, but I would love to see, you know, the recording techniques yes. and, and mastering and production. and production. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I would love to see. Absolutely. I just want a whole school of just music production. Yeah. You know, like a blue sky dreaming here. You know? I, I thought of something. Oh, I love it. I'd love a museum of just our artwork. Oh yeah, a museum of just student artwork. Yeah, I would love a dedicated gallery yes. that changed out yes. every. You know, I used yeah. to I used to curate a gallery, so yeah. to me that sounds like a lot right. of fun to do yeah. that with our kids. And, Let's do that. Okay, I'll just I'll just my that. my magic wand's right here yeah, somewhere. somewhere right here. <laughs> now that we're thinking, now, yeah. See, I've expanded <laughs> see, your horizons. Yeah. Right. See, I would also have a, I would love to have a, do, a dedicated music library so Ooh, that those yeah. are the things. So the you know the music that we order could go into one area, and if I needed to look at something that spring creek did i could just go to the library you know and check it out or whatever or have someone who would run it and check it out for me i think they have something like that in norman but i'm not positive i so, bet we could figure that out here yeah. we're pretty smart individuals katie and i would also like to have i'm gonna <laughs> rope you in on this one uh -oh. katie and i would also like to have instructional spell specialists for the elementary art and music team like explain to our viewers our listeners what that means what is an instructional specialist because we're using a lot of lingo here today. i know so instructional specialists are people who can can go and help teachers um, plan, help them learn assessments, help them with classroom management. Those are the things that the instructional specialists do around our district. We have several. We have some for elementary. We have some for, I think there's an instructional okay. specialist for science. In secondary, there's gifted instructional specialists. There's special ed instructional specialists. We have lots of them to help those teachers out who might be struggling or have questions or just need new ideas. Right. And resources, exactly. And I would love to have that for the elementary fine arts area, um, whether it's one for music possibly and one for art. Um, I know that instructional specialists have somewhere between 15 to 18 teachers that they go see, which is why we have a lot. We have 16 elementary schools now. And so that would make that, that would make sense to have one of each. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll make a call. Okay. okay <laughs> they might hang up on me, but I'll make one. Make a call. <laughs> Well, I hate to say this to you, but we are we're done for the for the day and, and I know we could we could probably could sit here and just talk for another half an hour if we really wanted to. But thank you so much for being a part of this. Once again, Katie Cook, Kit Parker. You guys are awesome. This is just seems so natural. Just have a great time. This is a It's Fine official podcast of Broken Up Public Schools on the Aerovision Network, and we will see you next time.